the National Archives podcast series, Finding Company Records, presented by Alex Ritchie. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to, before I begin, I'd just like to say that um, this is something of an experiment, really, uh, because I know what I want to say to you about business history and business records. I am less sure about what you want to know about business history and business records. And so I've put together a talk today which I hope will be of interest and value, but it could, I'm sure, be enhanced even more uh, with your questions and with your feedback, so don't be afraid to ask things. Now, I want to begin at the beginning um, in terms of if you're searching for business records because there is no better place to begin than the business index of the National Register of Archives. There's a corporate name index, and that combines the business index and the organization's index. Organization's index is much bigger than the business index. Business index has got something in the region of 32,000 businesses of all kinds. So we're going to do an advanced search of the business index and I'll show you some of the functionality which is there and which you can use to your advantage. Now, I also thought I'd mix in something of a chronological approach to uh, this insofar as we tend to think of business records very... uh, perhaps we tend to think of business records very much in terms of modern companies and modern companies have minute books and they have accounts and they have shareholders' registers. But, of course, prior to that, there were entirely different forms of business organisation. And some there are some things which go back a very long way. And one of those would be chartered companies. And so if we search on the word Russia, that will bring up um, the Russia or Muscovy Company. And um, which I understand was founded in 1555. But I can actually come up with uh, something that's even older than that because what we've got here is the Shore Porter Society. Now, you've probably seen this at some point if you've ever seen a removal van um, because the Shore Porter Society from Aberdeen do a lot of removals and they're still doing them. Now, I've prepared this nicely for you today so I can show you the full range of functionality which we have available in that we've got a brief description of the records. You can see that the collection is held privately, but if you want to inquire about access, um, you can link to the online catalogue. Now, uh, there wasn't a great fire of Aberdeen, but the records don't go back quite as far as they might because the Shore Porter Society was actually established in 1498. So we do have a 500-year-old company of a kind. If we link to the online catalogue, online catalogue is perhaps slightly uh, a slight misnomer because what it is is uh, it gives you these collection-level description of the, of the collection and, and tells you a bit about it and how it is a unique business and, and so on and how old it is and how it began in 1498. So I just thought I would show you those things just to sort of show that, you know, it can sometimes go, the business can go back a lot further than you might imagine. And now I'm going to show you something else, which um, again takes you away from uh, business. 
But actually, first, I never actually did show you the functionality of the business index. So here is how you search the business index. Um, if you have the name of the business you're interested in, and it's a relatively uncommon name, then it might be as good an idea as any to search on that. Now, I'm going to search for a particular shipbuilder. Shipbuilding is a particular interest of mine, so if there are many shipbuilding um, re uh, references and examples, then you know um, why that is. Um, so I'm going to choose a particularly... I'm going to look for a particular Clyde shipbuilder called Charles Connell and Co. I'm old enough to have gone to a launch of one of their ships at their yards. I remember it vividly, the city of Litchfield. So that's brought up um, Charles... Uh, um, amongst the three options available, it's brought up Charles Connell and Co. shipbuilders, uh, and there is some information about them. Just... A thing that you might easily miss uh, is that if you click on historical information, there's a bit more information about them here, uh, including where they, where they were. Uh, and also, it offers you this option, which is that there's a possibility that if you're interested in one, interested in one shipbuilder, you might be interested in lots of them. And therefore, what you can do is click on this link for similar businesses. And what you find now is you've, we've, you've brought up a complete list of all the shipbuilders that we've got on the business index. So that is how you would search. You can search that way, or you can put in multiple criteria in that, let's say we're only interested in shipping companies based in Cardiff. So we would do that by going to the drop-down menu, choosing transport and communications, going to the subsector, which was shipping companies. So we can search that way, and what that does is that it brings up 20 records. So you've limited the search. Uh, you, don't want, you don't want to go through all 32,000 things in the business index. Um, so that's limited it. It's a good idea to be careful not to sort of limit your search too much. Sometimes people feel that as long as there's a field, they must fill that field in. But if you come up with too many results in the first place, you can always refine it by introducing extra criteria so that it homes in on exactly um, the, the records that you're looking for. And now I'm going to show you something completely different. I'm going to go to the family index and we're going to look for the Spears family. And actually we find the Haggart Spears family of Eldersley and Houston House. So what we've got here, apparently, is a family and estate collection relating to Renfrewshire. And we've also got a link to the description of it on SCAN, the Scottish Archives Network. So why would that be of any interest to us if we are interested in business? Um, and that's where you have to do a bit of lateral thinking because where did Spear, the Spears family make their money from? They made their money as colonial merchants in the 18th century. And Alexander Spears, who was the founder of the dynasty, made a, a fortune. He was one of what was called Glasgow's tobacco lords. And as he increased in wealth uh, towards the end of his life, he built a grand house called Eldersley House, and it was just finished in time for him to die. Um, but that means that 
while this collection is on the surface of it, a family and estate collection, in actual fact, I'm sure that if you probed into it a little bit more, then what you would find was that there was some material that was going to cast light on the tobacco trade with America. So that's why I say that, you know, that use the business index by all means, but there may be other material and other indexes which is going to be of interest to you. Now, I wanted to introduce uh, one or two sort of uh, elements here just to sort of make certain points. As we go, get into the 19th century, uh, we sort of uh, we, the, we get into the days of limited liability companies. The, there was limited liability for eight, from 1844 onwards. But the significant thing to mention about that is that there wasn't a great take-up of it and companies didn't start to use limited liability uh, in a big way until about the 1880s. And even then, by the 1930s, you're somewhere in... If you look at company numbers, you can see that company numbers are still only in the region of about 300,000-plus. We tend to think of uh, companies be, uh, as being limited companies, but I'd just like to introduce a warning note and say that not every company is a limited company. Now, here is shipbuilders again, I'm sorry, but there's a company called Sir John Priestman and Co. I've seen this described as Sir John Priestman and Co. Limited. It was never limited. He was the sole proprietor, and he remained the sole proprietor, so he ne- the, it was never incorporated as a company. It was, it was personally owned by Sir John. So that's just a, a little you know, sort of warning to say that not every company is a limited company. And that is particularly um, true when it comes to... You, you look for things and you, and you think, well, there's got to be a trace of it somewhere... Uh, as a limited company, and the answer may well be, well, it w- was it ever limited? Because you can't assume that it was. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the 1980s, the Business Archives Council um, did a survey. They did a survey of the 1,000 earliest registered companies that survived. And when they did that, they uncovered an interesting thing. Um, because amongst the the results emphasised something, which was that not every, whilst not every business is a limited company, not every limited company is what you would understand as being a business. Uh, Because lots of um, entities have taken corporate form um, and that means that they, um, they became companies without ever being in business. Now, I'll give you an example of this, because there's the Incorporated Clergy Sustentation Fund for the Diocese of Winchester and Portsmouth and Guildford. And do you know where I found information on them? I found it on the company's house database, because they were a limited company. So they weren't in business in any way that you or I would think of, but they were limited And so that's just something to bear in mind when you're searching for things. Sometimes you can, as I say, not every business was uh, became a company, and not every company, not sorry, not every limited company was, strictly speaking, what you'd understand to be a business.
there were lots of girls' schools and constitutional clubs that were amongst the thousand earliest registered companies. I could say something about the distribution of business records um, because that's significant. Uh, And for that also, I would suggest that you go to Archon. Archon is the directory. Um, We underpin all this information with... um, with the details of the repositories who hold the records. That is, when those repositories do hold those records. Now, I don't know whether you've seen this interactive map before. Um, It means that you can hover over a particular region, click on it, and it will take you to the northeast. So if we look at at the northeast and we go to Tynanware Archives, you can see on their page... Again, if you, if you want to approach it from this point of view, if you're interested in the, either the regional economy of the northeast or you might be interested in the thing that they're perhaps best known for, which is the um, uh, shipbuilding, along with the Clyde, of course, um, uh, you might think, well, the, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to look at what they've got. And the best way of doing that in many respects is to say, OK, I will go to their Archon page because the Archon page get, brings you in summary form all the catalogues which we've got in the National Register of Archives. Um, so that's what we do in terms of the individual list that we've received. Alternatively, you can look at their, all their businesses. There are 588 different businesses. And so if you wanted to go through all that, um, you could... Every year, we do a survey called, it's the, it used to be published up to 1991 and as accessions to repositories. And we invited repositories all around the UK to sort of send us a, a list of what they had received in the way of records in the previous year. And we would, we would sort of edit that. Uh, and then once we'd sort of worked our way through all of that information, we would put it up in kind of digestible form. So that there is a... That means that if you're interested in what has gone into Tyne and Weir Archive Service recently, you can bring up the 2007 accessions and uh, and you, uh, you can just sort of page through it to see if there's anything new that might interest you. The other thing that we offer is um, we produce thematic digests for all these things so that um, if you're interested in business and you want to know what's been deposited recently, you can actually go through all of those uh, things and we pick out every business in, that has deposited uh, in particular archive offices. So there's a, a number of ways, a number of different points of entry, a number of different ways that you can interrogate this and much will depend on what it is that you're interested in and what you want your approach to be. In addition to what's UK repositories, we have information from over 500 repositories in 50 overseas countries. There are business collections overseas, and insofar as it's possible for us to report on these, then that, that is what we would try and do. But the, the level of our information, it, it can be very variable. We're, very, we're pretty good for America we're quite good for the rest of the English-speaking world, 
um, were pretty atrocious when it comes to the rest of, of Europe, for example. As things come to our attention, then we will build them into the system. Um, I've done a certain amount of that myself, uh, and uh, sort of in a, in a creative manner. Um, so that if we go, for example, to Trinidad, um, well, even that has got uh, business uh, attached to it as well. So there's a colonial bank. If we go into that, that we've actually got a list in, in the National Register of Archives. So yes, there are business um, collections overseas, and insofar as but we can, we we uh, report on them. If you go to the search page for Archon, you can search by type of repository. You can search for what's in national repositories. You can special repositories, university repositories, um, or you can search by business, because a considerable number of businesses retain the services of an archivist uh, and so what we've d this means that if you choose that option this will show you all those businesses which we know of who hold archives uh, and if they hold archives then generally there is some mechanism by which people can have access to those some of the entries are a bit on the kind of dummy side in that the, the, here's Zurich Financial Services uh, we've retained the sort of the skeleton of that, but the group archives were closed in 2003, and the, the records moved to Guildhall. So we thought that, that find it easier sometimes to sort of retain some skeletal information rather than to to lose that and then sort of have to say whatever did happen to the particular um, corporate archive. Now, I would like to tell you that that was a definitive and bang-up-to-date list of all the corporate archives there were, but I would know that I wasn't telling the truth. There are businesses that we know who hold archives, but they are, shall we say, a little reluctant to share them with the world. And whilst they have archives and we even have archivists, they don't necessarily want to be listed on the Archon directory. That makes life a little bit difficult for us. But if somebody addresses us with a specific question on a particular collection, we will say, well, we do know that we understand them to have an archivist and there may be access, but you'll need to write and see what <coughs> happens um, because um, it would be useful if they were an archon, but obviously some of them feel a little bit more exposed. Our business archives seem to fall into two categories. One of them thinks that it would be nice to have more people who use their collections uh, and there are others who are very afraid that people might do that very thing. <laughs> so that's a bit of a problem, and, and it brings me on to another um, issue in that quite a lot of the information that we've got on the business index is based on the results of survey work done in many cases years ago. Now, here's a, a good example. There's a... George Cohen and Sons Limited, Shipbreakers, Hydraulic Engineers. All sounds very interesting. We've got a list, uh, and it looks quite interesting, and naturally people would want to see that, perhaps. The only thing is this, that um, NRA 22000 means that we got that information pretty nearly 30 years ago. And as you can see, what it was at the time it was 
surveyed by the Business Archives Council and they sent us a copy and we filed that copy. But keeping contact details up to date for this, and I just choose this as, as a representative company, we could do this many times over. The question always is, how do then people get how do people then get access to it? And because we have hundreds, if not thousands, of these companies, we can't realistically keep that infor contact information up to date, particularly when it was none too um, clear in the first place. Uh, but uh, so, so that is something that we would like to address in the future, which is to look at all these collections where we, things were reported on. We knew there were record, we knew there were records. We're not quite sure where they are now. In fact, in many cases, I suspect they are in company or held by company archives, but we just haven't made that connection. Now, what have I left out, ladies and gentlemen? What has there been no mention of so far? That, perhaps, would be the uh, National Archives itself. We've been around the UK, we've been around the world even, um, but we haven't looked terribly much at what there is in, in the National Archives. Now, if we look at the Archon directory page, you can see that um, there are over 1,100 businesses. And these are uh, composed of, of numerous layers. And uh, it's this, this is the point at which I would be grateful for my, some, some of my more informed colleagues if they'll preserve me from any mistakes that I might make here. Because a lot of the business records um, in the National Archives collections are from those of nationalised industry. Uh, but there are other things... Um, there are other areas which yield um, information as well. And amongst those uh, particular classes would be Chancery Master's exhibits and also J90. Okay, here's a firm called Hill and Robinson. Uh, and there, are, there is material here, and it is in the National Archives, and we've got a reference for it. Now, ideally, we should actually be linking to that, but we're still working on, on making those links to, through to uh, the appropriate pages in the catalogue. And obviously, in that case, that's one of the ones that we haven't got to work yet. Now, the, uh, the, there, are similar, there are similar classes of records in Scotland. Court of Session Productions... What has happened is often that um, companies' books have uh, gone before the court. They've not then been returned, uh, and then because they've been preserved, the things that uh, would otherwise have been destroyed have in fact been preserved uh, and retained where, when they might not otherwise have been so. Here, is the, the, here are the records of William Dutch, a, a shipbuilder from the era of building in wood. And there are all these records which I strongly suspect would never have survived, but they've ended up in the National Archives of Scotland amongst their Court of Session records. So that is all I'm going to say in terms of what you can look at in the indexes here to identify business um, archives. But I think I should 
there's a kind of secondary literature which I would refer you to. Uh, one, of the, well, one of the things is that there is, a, in the research guides, if you go to the A to Z of research guides and go to business, there, there is a, a guide there which will contain a lot of the information which I've given out today. So that, if you want to refresh your memory as to what I've said, that's if you don't want to listen to the podcast, and I could understand that, um, then you, you can go to the research guide and, and a lot of the same points will be covered. Uh, but I'll just say something about some of the things that some of the tools that we use um, that may or may not be familiar to you. There's a multi-volume work called the business, Dictionary of Business Biography. Uh, you, by all means, come up and examine this at the end of the talk. There are a number of guides that have been produced by the Business Archives Council to um, specific uh, business sectors, so that if you want... Most of what I know about shipbuilding is in this book, so therefore you might as well read the book rather than talk to me, because I may have forgotten. Uh, and there's another one in the pharmaceutical industry, and there are a number of others that cover banking and brewing and veterinary medicine. The other thing that you might use if you're identifying companies, and we use them a lot, are um, Kelly's County Directories uh, and the London Post Office Directories. London Post Office Directories are very useful, um, particularly when you've a company and you, you may not know where the, the base is, but they might have a London listing uh, because they've got a London branch <laughs> office. A, a one-volume... Um, thing, but only just one volume is Kelly's Manufacturers, and that gives that lists all the businesses that you've got. Sometimes you get business name, but you don't know what they did, and we've been up against that problem before now. Um, but so, and that's when um, you don't know what the business did, and you don't know where they did it. But if you look, at, and that's why you've got Kelly's Manufacturers. It's divided up into uh, on the whole London and the rest of the UK. So if you look in this, and if you've got a specific business name, and as long as it's, um, it's accurate, then you may well pick it up there. Whereas you might find it heavy going to sort of identify anywhere else. Uh, and finally, I would recommend to you that there are quite a considerable number of business yearbooks. Um, the one that I particularly use, um, I picked up in a second-hand shop, is the Directory of Ship. Ship owners, shipbuilders, and marine engineers, and that's been an invaluable tool for me. A lot of them, a lot of other things have got incidental information, which is quite useful. If you ever get a hold of a banker's almanac, for example, and you go to the bank at the back of it, you'll find that it lists all the banks that there have ever been and what became of them, which is quite a useful little thing to have. And I've got a few more entries still to write. And Finally, there are um, the stock exchange yearbooks, which um, uh, is not... Well, there are two things, really, uh, two further things. The stock exchange yearbooks, uh, best used if you can have a long run of them. Um, I sort of, you know, sort of weakened my wrists permanently by using the sort of set at the London School of Economics when I was doing the shipbuilding book. Um, but the, the information is often rather dry, but it does give you certain, ba certain basic details. And there also used to be... a, a uh, something which was a, rather like who's who for business and that was called the Red Book of Commerce and that was um, sort of 
published in the early 20th century and up to about the time of the Second World War. And that's a, a little bit more chatty in describing businesses. Anyway, chatty more or less describes me because I think I've, I've run on long enough. If there are any further questions you'd like to ask me, I'm happy to field them. Thank you. This event was recorded live on the 19th of February, 2009, at the National Archives, Kew.